Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right. Welcome back to the Deepen Podcast. As for me in my house is a series we're in week two. Pastor Joby, please introduce our very special guests that we have. We have Miss Gretchen Martin, <laughs> who is right here on my right, the yes. first lady of the Church of 1122. And in addition to her, this is a really big deal for me. Um, l- literally one of the greatest preachers of a generation mm-hmm. in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. He uh, was the pastor of First Baptist Dallas. He used to be at First Jacks. Now he's in Alabama, Dr. Mac Brunson. Not only one of the greatest preachers, but also must be a good dad because he and his wife made Trey Brunson, who's everybody's one of everybody's favorite pastors here on our staff. And mm-hmm. so um, Dr. Brunson just preached, and we listened. I'm so challenged mm-hmm. when you preach. I know we're not just going to dissect the sermon. We're going to, but I've I, all the individual passages you read. I've obviously read those before. Mm-hmm. Never, ever, ever have I put like. It was it was like the best example of the Bible being commentary unto itself yes. in live action that I've ever seen. Every time I hear you preach, I just think I need to study my Bible harder because mm. it was amazing. So thank you. Thanks thank for being you. here. Yeah. I'm a, I, listen, I am so honored to be here. I really am. I don't know anywhere that would ask me to come that I would be more honored to preach than here at 1122. Wow. Well, that means a lot. Thank you. And I'm glad I get to see you. Well, you. uh, because you've been so good to my son. Thank you for supporting him where I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it is easy. Your wife was saying nice things about us hiring Trey. Yeah. It was purely selfish. <laughs> it was all about what he could do for us, I promise. And he's doing a great job, and everybody loves him. Thank you. Thank you. Let's back it up for just a second. Uh, this series, As For Me In My House, uh, we mentioned some of this in the service tonight, but it's... It's a family series, mm-hmm. but not just about a biological family, not just about, you know, uh, moms, dads, and, and kids. Talk, Pastor Joby, talk a little bit about how this applies to the church family as well. Well, I mean, you know, back when when Joshua makes this declaration, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Is it going to be the idols of your fathers or the one true God? When he says, as for me and my house— he ain't talking about like me and G and two kids. Right. I mean, he's old yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. And if you look at his age and then his children and there, it's probably 100, 120 people. Mm-hmm. There may be as many people that he's talking about as there were that heard the Great Commission mm-hmm. in Bethany. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it could be that kind of number. So, and I'm sure not every single one of them were married yet and had kids. And so mm-hmm. it was a multi-generational, really, really broad declaration of the faithfulness of God. Because how in the world is he going to speak for like his great-great-grandson to his fourth kid over there? You know, he might not even know that kid's name at this point right. in his life. But he's making this declaration of the faithfulness of God. And so in the New Testament, the primary language around family. Now we do have the household code in a couple of different spots, yep. but the primary language around family mm-hmm. is the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it, in the Old Testament. It's you better have a bunch of babies to grow Israel because God's got a plan for the redemption of the world through Israel. And the yep. New Testament is you better share the gospel so God can adopt a whole bunch of people into His family, which mm-hmm. is the church. Mm-hmm. So whether you're single or 
married or used to be married or a grandparent, and, and Dr. Brunson handled this, man. There are children in all of our lives, mm-hmm. and it is our responsibility to pass the good news on down to one more generation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's so beautiful. Jesus, you know, he said when his, when his family was at the door, and he said, this is my family right here. That's right. You know, and he, he set that standard for us that that's – if we have a home, a family, and people to belong to in, in the family, the church. And while we're talking about that, I, we did fam, child family dedication this weekend. Man, let's just brag on our kids and student ministers mm-hmm. here, man. We've got the best volunteers and these young men and women pouring into our children. Mm-hmm. And you've heard me say before, man, you don't need a village to raise your kids, especially these days. You have a village idiot. You need the church. Boy, that's right. Right? Yes. You need the church yes. pouring into your children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Brunson, you opened talking about your dad yes. and, and preaching at your dad's funeral. Um, and you, you mentioned those four Fs. Mm-hmm. That was lessons you learned from your yeah. dad. So, Pastor Joby or, or Gretchen, what, what are some lessons you may have learned from your parents that you remember? I mean, if they all start with the same letter, <laughs> I will also give you uh, extra gold stars. <laughs> Mine do not. Um, I think... Probably one of the most important things that I learned from mom and dad were was the importance of um, family and community. Like, I grew up, my entire family lived within two square miles of mm. each other. I could walk to my aunt and uncle's house, multiple aunt and uncle's houses, mm. my grandmother's house. Um, it was just how it was. And we never locked our doors there's a community like that. And so just the importance of closeness and just people just walking through your door any time of day and it was okay, mm-hmm. you know, and just um, just that kind of love and just appreciation for each other and just wanting to connect and be together all the time. It was so mm-hmm. important for us. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, my dad was in service tonight, which is great. Got to meet Dr. Brunson and he's been in town to watch his grandson play ball. Um, and, Dr. Brunson talked about the three stages of childhood, the imprint stage, the impression stage, and the coaching stage. In that impression stage, so we didn't grow up in church, and my dad my dad just got saved like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And so um, he never taught me the Bible. I mean, he was a good man, good old Southern moral guy. Mm-hmm. But in that impression stage, when I got, when I was in high school and went to church camp and heard that God was a good father, that made a lot of sense to me, not not as much not because of what I was taught, but what I caught. Mm-hmm. That my dad was a man of integrity and character, and he also um, this idea of Emmanuel, God with us. My dad was the dad that showed up. I mean, the reason he's here is because his grandson is playing football, and so he shows up to watch, and his granddaughter's cheering. So, so even though we weren't like praying and doing family devotions, he was impressing upon me. Mm-hmm some characteristics of God the Father um, mm-hmm. that were as impactful on me as a whole bunch of people that grow up in church but don't but don't but they live a duplicitous life you know mm-hmm. so I learned that from my dad you know uh, Pastor Joby just a quick comment about that there was a day and a time where the people in this country even if they were not saved or in church had a Christian, Worldview, for sure, um, and that's what you're. Ta- that's a perfect example of what you're talking about. A man of integrity, honesty, 
uh, is going to teach the right principles to his kid. And, and that was from a Christian worldview that had impressed him. Mm-hmm. Correct. We don't have that anymore. No. Correct. And, and to move away from that biblical worldview is to move away not only from godliness, but the wisdom of God. When I mean, a, a pretty good definition of wisdom is living in God's world, God's way. Yes. Well, it's God's world whether you want it to be or not. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we do live in God's world. And when you try to live in God's world, any other way than God's way, it's going to get broke real fast. Yeah. Like, if could you use a... a, a a vacuum cleaner as a sledgehammer for a minute, mm-hmm. but eventually that whole thing is going to be destroyed and you're not going to be able to hammer the thing you wanted to hammer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so when we use our lives and our family out of line with God's way, it will be destroyed. See the nightly news every single night. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. We heard a lot about the life of Moses, so we'll get into that a little bit. Um and and what I love, Doctor Brunson, from just the the Holy Spirit just moving as you're as you're preaching, because sometimes you you never could. I didn't consider, don't always consider what it would have been like as that family, you know, and some of the things that they went through, or even just when you said, you know, as a mom who has a child and then raising that child, and then is, my my son is seven years old, mm-hmm. and so when you said when he's about seven years old, he goes back, you know, I just can't imagine sending, you know. So, uh, but his childhood was traumatic, like by all standards, we would say, you know, yeah. very traumatic, and uh, and yet God was sovereign through it, and we can see that as as the account has been and has been written down. So, how could how can we take some encouragement from that? Because sometimes parents we get stressed out trying to control all the events of our kids' lives, uh, but and, but there's a lot of things that happen that are outside of our control. You know, how do we how do we draw some encouragement from that aspect? Of well, it? there are a lot of things, you know that are out of our control. To give a child up is unthinkable to me, Mm. and yet she had no choice in this. Uh, So I am certain that she poured into that kid everything. She knew that day was coming. Mm -hmm. And I I think about the unknown, uh, average, Mm. blue-collar, hardworking family out there that think, you know, God's not going to do anything. Well, that's exactly the family you've got right. that God uses. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that to any couple out there. You think, well, I'm just average. I'm nobody. I'm not important. Well, to God, you're important. Mm-hmm. God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan for every one of your kids. Mm-hmm. To the single mom that's out there. Mm-hmm. Or I talked to a guy tonight who, whose wife had passed away back when I was here in town uh, to the single, there there are single men out there raising children, mm-hmm. and I, I just say to them, listen, uh, you, you know, you may feel like you're handicapped. God has a plan for your child. God has a plan for you and your child. You may feel insignificant, but you're not. Mm-hmm. So I would say that you get caught in situations again, like Jacobed, who's got to give the child up. Pour into that child, mm-hmm. you know, just pour into the child and. 
impress the child as much as you can with the things of God. That's what I remember from my dad. My dad was constantly making application of the Word of God. Mm. He, he would say, hey, look at that. You'd be right down the road, look at that. Well, that really reminds me something out of the Word of God. Mm. So everything in life was an application, an opportunity to apply mm-hmm. the Word of God to life. Gretchen, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. do you ever feel like, uh, let me ask you this way by setting it up. I grew up with parents that were very much like VBS Sunday school, and it was like no secular music and even Christian movies as much as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like the generation that is now, my generation that's now raising kids feels like, oh, that was terrible because a lot of the movies and music and everything was terrible. You think it's terrible, cheesy, or maybe you think the excellence is not there. But we've, I think we've lost something in throwing all that out uh, so do you ever feel like as you're parenting your kids, uh, not wanting to force feed something that they'll resent? Because when you say that, it makes me think of the things that my parents would say that I kind of was like, oh, okay, here we go. You know, you roll your eyes as a kid and I don't want, I feel like as a parent, I don't want to create a negative response to some of the things that I want to teach my kids, you know? But at the same time, I don't want them to not know it either. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, I totally do. And mine is more from a perspective of a a pastor's kids Mm -hmm. and um, more of them not resenting the church Mm -hmm. because the church takes all of daddy's time. That was my main thing as a mom and as a stay-at-home mom is to make them understand that this is God's call in his life and it's God's call in our life. Right. It's not just God's call in his life. And they, you know, even though they were born into it, they didn't ask for it. You mm-hmm. know, I knew what I was signing up for when I married him mm-hmm. and that was okay. But for them, it's more um, about not resenting the church and, and exactly resenting the things that um, that we want to mm-hmm. instill in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up the same way as you, my my parents, I mean, we had the feature family films come to our delivered to our house every every month and that's those were the movies we watched uh-huh. and my mom, my grandfather was pastor and we were in church when the doors were open every single right. every single time the doors were open. So, um another thing for me is I mean, we just we didn't do that to them like you're not you don't have to be at church every time the doors are open, but you know, this is important and being mm-hmm rooted in the word and being surrounded by other believers and mm-hmm. kids who are also rooted in the word is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but also taking it into the school and, you know, being the light mm-hmm. in the school to the kids who don't know the Lord. Right. But, um, yeah, I do. It's a, it's a hard balance for mm-hmm. sure. I appreciate <clears throat> what you said, uh, Dr. Brunson, about the time that elapsed before he kind of woke up to some of the things that he had heard, you know, that uh, it, it rem- reminded me of that illustration of the the chisel and the sledgehammer that breaks a rock, you know, it's like it's a thousand hits, you know, and it's the yeah. 1,001, it breaks in half, you know, so what were those other thousand strikes with that hammer? Did they mean nothing? No, they meant something, but it just takes, sometimes it takes time. So we can't have that short-term perspective. No, you, you, you really can't. You have to, you have to have a long 
take the long view. I have to remind myself. I had I had lunch the other day with Dr. Timothy George, and I was moaning and groaning about the Southern Baptist Convention. And Dr. George, this great theologian historian, looked at me across the Jeep and he said, you know, we're both historians. And he said, never forget you have to take the long view. Mm-hmm. And you do with children. It, you need to keep that long view. To go back to what we what you were saying, you know, we said we had to say no to so many things. Mm-hmm. There were some things we just were not going to say no to. And we had to choose. One had to be hair because I don't care what their hair is. It doesn't make a hoot to me. I don't have any hair. But, you know, so I remember Trey, you know, wanted to dye his hair one night. Well, I come home, and Debbie's in the kitchen dyeing the boy's hair. Well, when she gets through with it, it's as banana yellow. <laughs> something had happened. She didn't do something. So we took him to school, oh, and there were ladies that came. There were ladies that came out and said, did you know he was going to do that? Did, you know, and she she said, yeah, I did it. And they would say, oh, Horace, you did it to him? She said, yeah, you know, we have to say no yeah. about so much. It's hair. It'll grow back out, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, we tried to do that with our kids, not to say no to everything. Right. Here's another terrible, I know I was being rebellious when I did this, but when the movies, um, what's the movies about Warthog? uh, uh Harry Potter. I took my kids to go see that, right. but I went out of town to do <laughs> where nobody knew I was. We were up in Gainesville, Texas. Anyway, I, I took them to see it. Yeah. I was kind of interested myself, mm-hmm. but I wanted to be able to see it with them. If I thought it was bad, I would. I took the boys to go see something one time that was a, they, and they started into a a bad love scene. Well, I told the boys, now here are these two big boys. I said, get up, come on, we're out of here. Well, their mama stayed. I said, well, she can stay. She's a woman. You know, what they show on the woman, she's got. So <laughs> we, we, we're we not going to stay. We're not going to sit in there and watch it. So, But I would take them to see certain things. Now, you know, there were things we were not going to go see, but like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, what does Scripture say about mm-hmm. magic right. and that kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. So, I mean, for y'all, okay, here, uh, this makes me think of another thing: technology, cell phones, and whatnot. Right? It's like yeah. it's the question of, uh, am I going to subject my my kids are not at that age yet, thank God, but like, uh, do I want them to be the only one in their class without whatever it is? Yeah. You know, because I. I'm trying to protect them from something, or do I teach them how to handle it well? I mean, what did, what did so here, y'all do? Uh, one of the differences that we're talking about is uh, when you were raising kids and when we were kids, with pretty much control of a blockbuster card and a remote, you could keep out what you wanted to keep out. Yeah. Now, pretty much every window in your house is open, and... That doesn't mean you fight less. That means you have to fight more. Mm-hmm. But your kids will be exposed to all the things, period. Because mm-hmm. every single person around them has a phone with it on it if they don't. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the phone and stuff like that, we set some rules. We made them work towards it. We just kind of, I don't have a Bible verse for this whatsoever, but we didn't want to be first or last. Mm-hmm. So we figured somewhere not first. We don't definitely want to be the first kid with a smartphone. But maybe not the last one either, particularly 
our kids pretty heavily involved in our kids and student ministry around here. So I'm not saying that was the kind of the gauge that we were looking at more than just like, you know, kids that, that don't have parents that are raising mm-hmm. them in church. Mm-hmm. So we looked at that kind of stuff. There's a really great, great book. What's the book we read? Um, Feeding the Hand, Feeding the Mouth That Bites You, or something like that. Is that what it's called? I don't know. It's a really great book that I can't remember the title Feeding of. Feeding the Hand That Bites? No, it's not it. I think it's Feeding the Mouth That Bites <laughs> yeah, You. Yeah, okay. The idea is, it's, it's written from a Christian perspective, that the goal of raising, and it's really aimed at like teenagers, mm-hmm. the goal is planned emancipation. Well, how do you get here from here to there? Mm-hmm. Like your job is to help them when they get to 18 years old, they are going to be able to do whatever they want to mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and let go of all the things you can let go of so they feel the freedom of things like hair choice, mm-hmm. Music choice. I mean, especially this day. I don't care what you think you can keep your kids from listening to. Right. They they are going to be able to listen to whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But then when you give them that freedom, you better also give them the responsibility for that. Like if you spend money on that, guess what? You have to come up with the however many dollars it is to get Apple's iTunes, you know? Mm-hmm. Things like how clean your room is going to be. Now, again, we're talking about like teenagers and older teenagers. Mm-hmm. You can harp on them all the time, but what are they going to do the moment they go off to college or freshman year? They're going to keep their room however they want. So you begin to try to plan that kind of freedom mm-hmm. or say, you, I'm not going to tell you how to keep your room anymore. However, I'm also not doing any of your laundry. And if it stinks, we're taking everything out except the mattresses because this is my house. It's not your house. Mm-hmm. But there, those are these kind of like negotiations mm-hmm. where what you're trying to... I think about this all the time right now. My boy is 17 years old. He turns 18 in November. That's not a magic number to me, but in the but he graduates in the mm-hmm. spring. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing for me to try to make all the decisions for him. It's another thing to try to train him in wisdom so that he knows how to make mm-hmm. decisions. Mm-hmm. These are two very different things. Yeah. It reminds me of what you said, Dr. Brunson, about... The, the difference between arguing and logical, logical debate. Talk more about that because that was really, really good. Well, um, you know, the boys used to come at me with some theological issues, and they would want to argue, yeah. but not not in a bad way. And that's what I was saying. Usually, your kids they want to know number one, what do you believe, and why you believe it, mm-hmm. and number two. Uh, they they want to get to how do you defend that? Mm-hmm. Because I hear what you're saying, and you say you believe that, but how do you defend that? Mm. Because they're looking to say, well, okay, I want to believe that too, but I want to mm. know how do I answer my friends mm-hmm. with that? Mm. So I, I, you try to teach them this is the way, and we we've done. It's a horrible situation. People get so there's such rudeness and lack of manners and mm-hmm. lack of um, just kindness, you know, between people. They, they just fall out and do a fight over anything. Yeah. So I, I wanted my boys to understand. Well, my daughter too. I wanted all three of our children to understand. You can disagree, and this is how you disagree. Mm-hmm. Talk through it. And give me your side. Let me give you my side. You show me why you believe that. Let me show you why I believe it. Mm-hmm. And in the end, you may not come to my position on it, but at least you'll know what I believe and you'll know why I believe mm-hmm. it. 
and how I argue for it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that will teach them the same thing. Mm -hmm. And they'll have respect for people that have a different Mm -hmm. idea, different concept. Did you and your wife model conflict between y'all for the kids that way? I hope so. I hope we did. Mm -hmm. I can't say... You know, I'm thinking now, and see, I got a son standing over there watching. Oh, boy, I remember that. Um, We tried not to argue in front of them. We we tried to do a couple of things. One is never let them see us argue in front of them. We could disagree and work through that, but we didn't want them to see us get red-faced and all upset with each other. The other thing is we did not talk about church issues and problems in the church in front of them. Because I did not want my kids growing up resenting the church. Mm. Uh, and I was terrified because I, everybody I knew, their kids, who was a preacher, their kids hated the church. Mm. They resented this. They resented that. I was away a lot. I've, I've always been off preaching somewhere. Mm. But, and I would try to take my family. That's one thing I'd correct is that if I could go back, I would stop taking my vacations and preaching every night while the kids were off on vacation with me. So wherever I'd get called to preach, I'd go and preach there, uh, and I'd use it as a vacation for the kids. Mm -hmm. And that was wrong. I should not have done that. Mm -hmm. Listen, I've apologized to my kids more than I can count, more to them than I even have my wife. Mm -hmm. But, no, I didn't want to get back. I I hope they saw us work through, Mm -hmm. you know, our differences. Yeah, my parents... Uh, had had a similar approach where they didn't they didn't do a lot of conflict with us around. So I think I I didn't learn how to like when you talk about right. how to navigate disagreement. I think I I had to learn that a bit a bit later yeah. in life. You know. Um, well, we model conflict <laughs> quite aggressively in front of our kids. <laughs> One of the things that we found again, we got a seventeen year old and a thirteen year old about, and they're just about to go eighteen and fourteen. And and uh, I remember one of them told me recently there was this real disconnect in their mind because they were like, I don't get it. Saturday night, you and mom are fussing and fighting, and then Sunday, you have the audacity to stand on stage and talk about how much you love her. And I'm like, those two things are true. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I know who it was. I wasn't going to out him, but since you did, JP, I was trying to tell him. All right. The, the self-proclaimed hypocrite is not a hypocrite. I, I'm, mm. I'm constantly saying, I need the gospel. I'm not perfect. I'm yeah. failing all mm. the time. What you saw there was just James 4.1. We had a, I don't I have no idea what it was about. We make up really good, but we, you know, <clears throat> there's what causes fights and quarrels among you. You want something and you don't get it. Mm. And I walked through him with that. And, and, and then I said, and listen, man, and what you got to see is the reality of a covenant lived out, a covenant between us and the Lord. And what God has joined together, nobody, even that thing, that I, whatever it was we were fighting about, which I can never remember, mm-hmm. that's not going to tear us apart, bro. That's what marriage is, mm-hmm. you know. And when I get up there on stage and preach the gospel, I'm not preaching it for all those people out there. Mm-hmm. I am proclaiming my fundamental yes. need. And if anybody on this planet knows 
Joby Martin's need for the gospel, buddy, it's you. Because mm-hmm. you get to see the worst of me. Mm-hmm. But that thing is not a show on Sundays and Thursday nights. I need him. I love him. I want him to transform me. And I got a long mm-hmm. way to go. We've been having those conversations. And I think it's been just kind of as they hit their teenage mm-hmm. years that they, they can begin to comprehend that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's not us not living out our faith. It's actually us living out our faith right. That's right. in authenticity. Yeah. And that opened up a greater, a much larger conversation yeah. with him about the struggles of being a pastor's kid mm-hmm. and what that means. And, you know, everywhere he goes, everyone knows him. Everyone knows him in, in his school, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so it did open up a conversation that I think we probably had needed to have for a long time and didn't, mm-hmm. and, and he started that. And so I think that was kind of a, a breaking point or a, a starting point, really, for yeah. us to really be able to be open and him to be open with us about that. And I do think, well, all I, I mean, here at 1122, our, our church is so good to our family and our children. They, they're really, if anything— it's it's totally personality driven. Gretchen love I mean Reagan loves the fact that the lead pastor of the church is her dad. And like when I drop her off at students, she's like, Dad, if you're gonna walk in with me, that'd be great. You know what I mean? She would love it. JP, it it actually it bothers him that it feels like some people are nicer to him because of that. Mm-hmm. It, but it's totally personality driven, you know. But we have to be very, very conscious of those things and and deal with each one of our kids differently because of that. Yeah. People, are, people in the church don't understand the family dynamic of a right. pastor and his family, wife and mm-hmm. children. They really don't. And what you were just saying, you know what? If it doesn't preach to me, I can't preach it to them. That's right. I got to preach it to me first. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Dr. Brunson, you talked about those three stages, imprint, impression, and then coaching. And one of the things you said, I, I, I went, mm, I gave you an amen on, on it. It was uh, you don't learn – everything by just having it handed to you. Yeah, and you've got to be able to let your kids experience some failure. So what's been some of the things that has been hard, like in that in that uh, sense, have been hard to do, hard to let go of, but you've seen it produce a lot of good? <laughs> Money. You know, I've, I've got one. We've had to help a little more than the others, but I finally just had to come to the place and say, that's it. Mm. And you know, to to his credit, um, he's never been resentful or ugly or me. He has he has every time said, "Well, Daddy, I'll work it out." Mm-hmm. And I said, "That's what you need to do." Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, gosh, I probably I probably get home and Debbie will say, "Surely you didn't say that," uh, <laughs> and we'll get into conflict. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, I'm just being honest yeah. with you. You know, yeah. you you've got grown children, and I, I try to do for each of my children equally. I don't give to one where I won't give to the others. And I think my daddy marked me with that. I'll never forget my dad calling me one time, and he said, "Son, I, I've got to put an air conditioner in your sister's house. They don't have the money. They're." And those children over there, my grand, you know, and he said, I can't give you the same amount is, you know, I just want you to know. I said, Daddy, please do it. Mm -hmm. You know, go do that for them. Mm -hmm. So we try to be do for each one of them. Mm -hmm. And they are all so three different. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, 
That's crazy, isn't it? The it is so parents can create cra- such it is. different human beings. So I never had to tell Trey. I told Trey one time in the in middle school to go study. I said, "You've got a science test." I want to. So he walks in the next day and he's made a hundred and something. He's gotten extra points, you know. And then I've got one son that I said, "Go study, or I'm going to shoot you." And, and, and he says, "Go get the gun," you know, you know. So you got well. What am I going to do? How do I make it work with you? Um, that's the way God keeps you humble. <laughs> so, that, that's one for us. Um, with JP, he's old. he's so smart, man. He's he really if he would spend as much time on his schoolwork as he does figuring out the minimum he has to do to keep the bare minimum we require, he could. But that's how he is. All right. So he's a senior. He's trying to get into college, all that kind of stuff. Look, man, if you make him do everything and do everything for him, mm-hmm. then what is he going to do in less than twelve months when he's got to go do it on his own? Mm-hmm. So he's got to, he has to deal with repercussions of whatever decisions he's making. Now, you know, we're not going to let him starve to death and live in the street. Maybe one day we would have to, but but there are some things where you just let him feel the sting of having to catch up on those grades and things like that, you know? And it won't kill him because right. I'm telling you, brother, I was the world's worst. I hate to confess this in Student? front of, yes, in high school, coming through high school, it's an absolute wonder they let me in, you know, <laughs> Caltech. Um, but I, you know, I got in school and I had to. That's amazing. And I had to catch myself up. Mm. I had to really do it. But you know, God's so good. Mm. I mean, I wasted my. I I floated through high school just living wild and everything else, you mm. know. But I got to college and God got a hold of my heart. Mm. Uh, and your brain, and you know, God, God, God has to get a hold of you. He'll let, He'll put the squeeze on you. That's right. Mm-hmm. He'll make you struggle. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good for your kids to struggle. It's you know, it's really bad to run in there and save mm-hmm. them from everything. That's right. How do people know where the line is? I don't know. And it, you know, with each child, it's a little different, right? Because some children are going to need a little extra here where they don't. You know, this one doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's learning each child. I think that's what Solomon is saying where, you know, he talk, you know raise up a child in the way he should go. Learn what is his bent. What, you know, right. Swindoll talks about. He's the first one I ever heard say that. You know, learn his bent. What What is it like? And it takes, with Courtney, with Trey, with Wills, it takes a little something different with each one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you you have to learn it. Yeah, one of the reasons we've we've pushed sports like we have is not it is not the performance trap. I am very very careful. Mm-hmm. JP had a game last weekend. We dominated. We were an underdog. He had an interception. I mean, he had a great game. Okay, I pulled him aside afterwards. He's he had his, he had thumb surgery earlier in the year, and he's fighting through some pain, and he he does it. And afterwards, what I what I made sure I don't do is attach my attaboys with the performance. Mm-hmm. I attached it all in this case. I was like, dude, I'm so proud of you for your toughness. There's a lot of kids your age that would have quit, mm-hmm. and you didn't quit. And all I'm thinking is, dude, he ain't going to play football after this year. He ain't playing in college. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to. I don't want him to. Thank goodness. So, <laughs> But you know what? You're going to have to be in this world tough. 
Mm-hmm. You're going to have to endure pain. You're going to have mm-hmm. things are going to have to be uncomfortable, and you got to get real comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. You got to be knocked down and know how to get back up and mm-hmm. go after it again. Mm-hmm. It, there's very few things that can teach that, mm-hmm. you know, like sports and mm-hmm. especially football. Where else in the world can you just absolutely drill somebody in the head mm-hmm. and then a whistle blows and you get to do it again? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and the reason, I mean, and, and Reagan is in this competitive cheerleading thing, and it's like gymnastics meets dance meets, I mean, it's a thing, right? And I don't care about the sport. I obviously don't care about cheerleading. I do care about tenacity. I do care about mm-hmm. discipline, showing up to practice when it's hot, mm-hmm. and you don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And you don't just get to tap out, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so for us, and, and sometimes that can be misunderstood even by your children because mm-hmm. they think, well, you just want me to play. Cause, mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, right. what I'm trying to do is mm-hmm. teach you some things, and I don't know where else you're going to learn these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. These, this is a good environment. It's such a good word for the comfort culture that we live in, and especially in the church even. We, we tend to attach, if it's hard, it must not be from God, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Except the New Testament, correct, but and the old; those are the only two things you got going against it. But, but you're don't you absolutely right? Don't you find that true even in your own experience? Like when you encounter difficulty, it's like I got to fix this, and and by fix it, you mean get the difficulty or the uncomfortable or the thing that you feel is holding you up, get it out of the way, so that you feel like you can move and do the and do. But that's the tool in God's hand. You know, that's the tool in God's yeah, hand that I've, is I've used shared up. this before as an example, but I was coaching JP's uh, high school weightlifting team, and I was so frustrated with them just because of their lack of fortitude. Mm-hmm. I'd use different words with them. And I was like, boys, y'all want to be strong. Nobody wants to be sore. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, that's it. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants the, the benefits of godliness. Mm-hmm. Have you read... Do you remember James? We just did it not too long ago. It starts off in chapter one. You want godliness? You want perseverance? There's a way that you get it. When the trial punches you in the mouth, you are joyful to meet that trial face-to-face because you know God is going to use hard times to develop you. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're trying, and yet there's this other part of of you in it, and you just don't want your kids to hurt. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's no pain like kid pain. You're trying to not, man... Parenting is the most humbling thing I've ever done in my the life. Hardest job you'll ever have. There is no doubt about it. Hardest job you'll ever have. And but especially like, I mean, listen, me and you, we are very successful pastors. It's going real good. Yeah. It is infinitely easier than trying to raise two little humans that have half of my DNA and the other half I share with the person I love the most, mm-hmm. and they grow up in my house, and they grow up in our church. It mm-hmm. seems like it is stacked <laughs> that this that we ought to be crushing it. Right. And. We're at the altar tonight going, dear God, we need your help. Mm. Listen, mm-hmm. Debbie and I were at the altar tonight. Yeah. Mm. We're, we're still praying hours through, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And we'll be doing that till the day we die, mm-hmm. till the Lord takes us home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a- what I said. Coaching is now for the rest of your life. That's right. Mm-hmm. What about you, Gretchen? What, from the mom perspective, is do you think it's harder watching them in, experience that pain or... Um, I, yeah, (laughs) I don't, I don't think it's harder. I just think it's different, Mm -hmm. um, from a mom's perspective because we're the nurturers. We want to, you know, that's just what we want to do. But, um, as a almost 14 and 18 year old, 
I I listen to all these things, and I'm like, gosh, you can't help but to think, oh, I wish I should have done that differently, or if I could go back, I would have done that differently, or I would have let them fail a little more. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I helped them too much. Just Mm -hmm. all these things just come into your head, and you can't do that because God has given you have this job for a reason. God's given me the job. To raise JP right. and Reagan, right. and has given you the job to raise JP and Reagan. No one else. Mm-hmm. And so I fall to my knees a lot and say, "Lord, take me out of it. Like take take all of the things that I do wrong out of it. Mm-hmm. And I need you to just fill their hearts with your love. Mm-hmm. I just that's that's all I can ask. Like mm-hmm. just just love them and let them feel your love. Because mm-hmm. um, I screw up all the time, yeah. all the time. Yeah, you know. I re- I. I wrote down another statement. You said every choice might not bring you to crisis, but every crisis will bring an important choice. Mm. And w- what crises come to mind in your life that the choices were key, either for good or bad, maybe in your life or in your kids' lives, you know? Uh, so for Moses, you know, it was that moment with the, I, I can do this my way, mm. right? Uh, but does anything come to come to mind from your yeah, life? Relationships. Right. One of the things that I tr- we tried to do, and I say we because it's a it's a team sport, uh, raising a child. W- one of the things that we tried to do was really guard who our kids were around. Mm-hmm. If I can change who you're around, I can change you. Mm-hmm. That's right. If it, you know, and so I remember, you know, the the boys would come in, or and they would say, "Hey, I'm I'm going out this Friday night with so and so," and Debbie would walk back through the bedroom and she'd say, "I'm praying that out of his life," <laughs> and you know, it would be shocking. It would be shocking to me. They'd come back in and say, "Well, I'm never going out with her again," and I'd look at Debbie, and Debbie would say, "You better watch out, boy." <laughs> you know, she said, "I've got I've got some." Clout here, but I have seen her pray Amen. a lot of junk out of the life of these kids, mm. and so I've I gained a healthy respect for her prayer life. But I think relationships are so critically important. And the other thing we did was we tried to do things at the house or have things at the house. You know, we had a pool, we we got a pinball machine, we did things there. We got a big screen TV and fixed it all up upstairs so that their friends would come to our house instead of our kids always going off somewhere Mm -hmm. so that we could kind of could monitor what's going on with them. Right. So we really liked it when they brought their friends over. Mm -hmm. Those were just some things we tried to do. Mm -hmm. But relationships, friendships, Mm -hmm. to me, was so critical. Yeah, and that, it costs you way more than you think. Everybody yeah. thinks they want to do that until your kids get to be teenagers, mm. and it's a great discomfort to us. I can remember it was a couple weekends ago, we are kind of like hostages in our bedroom hanging out because JP's <laughs> invited all the football, not the whole team, but a bunch of kids over to watch this UFC fight, and they want to watch it in the living room because it's the best TV, and we're thinking... It's very late. Oh, it's always late. Very, it doesn't, I mean, the main card starts at 1130. This <laughs> is Saturday night. I do a thing on Sunday, and I've got a decision to make. Yeah. I mean, I, I could choose my comfort or because we've always wanted to be the house yeah. where everybody hangs yeah. out. Yeah. And, dude, and there's a smell. It does not wash out. I'm telling you, <laughs> there is a price to pay for your house. But you can repaint yeah. way easier than you mm. can reparent. 
That's and good. so That's we say bring them, man. Bring them. Same thing. We did the pool and the bat hangout. We want mm-hmm. to be, we want kids to feel really comfortable at our house. Mm-hmm. And JP has a girlfriend. And so, you know, they're two years now going strong. It's crazy. But, you know, I had a mom call me or text me um, just last week, and she said, I need some advice. What do you do about the girlfriend thing? Is she allowed in the house when you're not there? Is she allowed in JP's bedroom? Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, and no, Mm -hmm. unless the little sister goes up there with them. (laughs) That's the only Mm -hmm. time she's ever allowed in his bedroom is if Reagan's up there too. And that's happened before. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, they're not allowed. And she, and I, and, but I said, mm-hmm. here's the deal. They need to know why those mm-hmm. are the rules. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to do it, he's going to find a way to do it, whether, but it's not going to be in my house, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And so, and she said, that's true. Because, I mean, if, if that's something they're going to do, then they're going to find a way to do it, even if it's not in your house. But they need to know the rules in our house and why those Mm -hmm. are the rules in the house. Mm -hmm. It's for their protection. Right. Um, And, you know. I think my parents said often, because I said so, you know, and and sometimes I've, you know, it's like, just do what I ask you to do, right? But it reminds me that, you know, it's the wisdom of imparting Here's the reason why. Yeah. That's what this is. And with the girlfriend thing, man, we've embraced her like crazy. She's great. Her family yeah. goes to 1122. They go to the Arlington campus. She's great. She is at our house all the time. Yeah. And we've also, though, we also don't just allow them to come in and then ignore us all day. Mm-hmm. Like, no. they can they can go watch a movie. That's fine. But they better come sit in the living room for a long time and just talk to us and be a part of it. And mm-hmm. so – and instead of us trying to like ostracize her, the girlfriend, she is like mm-hmm. a part of the crew. She mm-hmm. I also pay very close attention to the way she treats little Reagan and she treats her. It's so sweet. It's mm-hmm. so great. Mm-hmm. And so you can be the kind of parent that gets super pharisaical about everything, mm-hmm. or you can create the kind of environment where your kids and their friends and all the boyfriends, the girlfriends, they want to be around. I mean, you know, the proverb says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. Mm. A companion of fools suffers harm. Yeah. So yeah. you want to you want to try to corral all the wise kids. I know that's an oxymoron, but, you know, as much as you possibly mm-hmm. can. You want to be like an attractant to those kids mm. for the sake of your kids. Right. Didn't yeah. Coach Lee have a saying about that? Show me, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Exactly. He's like, you want to be an idiot? Keep keep hanging out with that idiot. <laughs> and he told me it that while that idiot was standing right there. <laughs> uh, Doctor Brunson, as somebody with adult adult kids, I I think that the transition from that impression period to the coaching period is one that often gets fumbled. All right, like like just my observation, not, not as an expert, but sometimes. Parents will go too early to the friend stage, or they don't know they know how to be a parent to little kids, but don't know how to prepare to be a uh, a parent to adult adult kids. So, any other wisdom for how how to make that transition? Like, how do you have that in mind? Like, I'm not just parenting these little kids to go to bed on time and brush their teeth, but I want to have for the long play, like we we're saying earlier. I want to have a successful relationship with them when they're older. Let me say this. No kid comes with instructions. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all do trial and error through this stuff. And I, 
I can't say that I did it all right. I will tell you this. One smart thing is this, is that, and it's not the young couples that I have to convince of this. It's the older people that I just keep pounding on. Get a young couple and pour some time into them. Oh, yeah. They're hungry for it. That's they right. want it. They need it. Mm. Go find a young couple and help them through these stages. Mm. Tell them what you did that was right. Tell them what you did that was wrong. Mm. I did plenty of stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think young couple, if you're listening and you're an older couple, go find a young couple. I plead with you to do that. That's exactly what Paul says to Titus. You know, find these older women and let them pour into younger women. Find the older men. Let them pour into younger men. So, you know, that's the wisdom that I can give you. I didn't, I turned to my dad. I listened and tried to do what my dad did. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my dad did a great job. He didn't have but an eighth grade education. Wow. He had to go to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had to help take care of the family. He came along through the depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was biblically wise. He had godly wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would call dad a lot of times. And, and a lot of times my dad would say, son, it'll be all right. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be okay. They'll come around. Mm-hmm. And they do. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been reared to... Right. To know the right things to do, mm-hmm. so I, I just would encourage older couples: please invest in a younger couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard it. I, I've heard it said that the entire journey of parenting is a process of letting go. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you better figure out how to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, with that, what what I learned was this: is when we got to the um, empty nest stage. It was really bad for the first four or five months when they were all, when they were all gone, and then they came home for Christmas, and I began to say, "Now, when do you start back?" When do you start? <laughs> and then, and then by that by that time, I found out empty nest was really nice. Buddy. It was really nice if you have maintained That's a right. relationship with your spouse. Oh, so, uh, do that. Whatever mm. you do through mm. the child rearing mm. process, don't. Stop dating your spouse, yeah. loving your spouse. Yeah, let's talk about that for just a second. I mean, like, do you see that, Pastor? Jeff? Like, people who sacrifice everything else in their life, as and now those kids become the the thing in the. So one of the one of the we we know this. One of the benefits of being a pastor is you get a front row seat to a bunch of different styles of living life in regards mm-hmm. to family, some really great examples and some really horrendous examples. Mm-hmm. And you get to see how those things have played out. Mm-hmm. To the person, you can match up the the strength of how much a husband loves his wife and she loves him to the confidence that a child has. Mm. It is a, I did student ministry for 15 years, man. Mm. It has nothing to do with expensive vacations and toys and how much money people make, I am telling you, the the stronger a love between a husband and wife, the more confidence that a child has in who they are. And what you want is a confident kid in who they are, who God has mm. created them to be. Because yeah. the world just doesn't quite, they're just not as loud to that kid. Right. And so, I mean, by God's grace, we love each other a bunch. But one of the things, too, that most parents don't take advantage of is student ministry Put your kids in student ministry because you get a date night on Wednesday night or Tuesday night around here. Mm-hmm. So we drop Reagan off and we go and and 
sit together most Wednesday nights mm-hmm. and have for a long time. So it's we don't have to we're not going to have to reintroduce ourselves to each other in four years when Reagan graduates. We're gonna be able to do a whole bunch of stuff we've been wanting to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's great. I love well, maybe we'll close with this. I, as I was thinking about this week in the in, in the parenting thing, I thought about something. You ended up saying it in your message, but First um, Corinthians four, Paul says, "Though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers." And I became a father in Christ Jesus to you through the gospel. Uh, unpack that just a little bit, and and maybe we'll use that as an encouragement for. Like what you were saying, you know, this applies to everybody. There's there's somebody in your life you can be that. What does that mean, and what would it look like for somebody to be a spiritual parent to somebody in their, in their life? Well, I've had guys in my life who were, you know, like a father in that they were good-sounding boards. They were, they were great at giving me godly wisdom pointing me in directions. I thank the Lord for the men that God has put around me and the churches that I've pastored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thank God for the father that that he gave me because my dad has always been a source mm-hmm. of godly wisdom to me that I could talk to. But one of the most unique things that has ever happened to me, to me is before I went to Valleydale, I felt like I was too old. And I told the committee, I said, I'm too old to come here. You've got all these young couples. And, you know, a pastor will generally reach people about five years on either side of him. Hmm. Um, And I I thought, there are all these young people. They're going to leave, and this church is going to be just left with people five years on either side of me. And anyway, they came to me. What happened to me, I was in Japan. I had gone with Bob Tebow to teach pastors in the jungle of the Philippines. I said, Debbie, if you'll go with me, I'll stop. We'll come back through Tokyo, and we'll spend some time together in Tokyo. And so she she did, and we had a pastor there, First Baptist Tokyo. He was like 71. And we went there on that Sunday. I knew him. He met me at the motel, sent somebody to pick us up at the airport, and He took me up to his office that Sunday morning. They had six services on the weekend, one on Saturday night and five on Sunday. Now, this 71-year-old guy was doing this. And I went up to his office. They had 53 languages represented there. But now he preached in English, and they all understood him. You know, because they could all speak English. Well, I came down from his office, and as I was coming down the steps, I looked at the place— all of young people, the mm. choir singing this contemporary music and, you know, all of this. And I, I look, and God just spoke to my heart and he said, go where I tell you to go and let me take care of the age issue. Mm. So I came back to tell the committee, and before I could tell the committee, okay, I'll talk seriously now with you. One of the guys came up to me and looked at me, really two of them, and said, we need a spiritual father here, which is what Paul is talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I have for the last five years been a spiritual father to a very young congregation. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that explains it, but I understand what Paul's talking about. Mm -hmm. 
because that's where, where I am in my ministry. Right. And it's exploding. Yeah, it's God's really blessing. It really is. God's blessing mm-hmm. in it. I don't know what I wish. I've come to the place, Pastor Joby, where all I do is just pastor and preach. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about a program. I don't worry about a number. I don't worry about any of that. I just love on the people and preach. Amen. And it's like, you idiot, why haven't you done this all your ministry? <laughs> so I finally got it down. About the time to retire, I finally get it down. That's kind of like parenting. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you get right. your last one about to graduate, and you're like, I'm getting the hang of this. I think you probably answer that with our elder team, like the the spiritual parents, fathers. Yeah, one of the things life. I'm most proud about our church is the uh, multi-generational. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we, we, I mean, from our kids' ministry to our student ministry to 1825 to our young couples, they're mm-hmm. all yearning for a generation ahead of them to pour into them. Mm-hmm. And it shows a real, even for our young church, it shows a real maturity mm-hmm. in all of those generations that are represented mm-hmm. here at Love's Way too. Mm-hmm. I will say this now, unsolicited. That is the beauty of this church to me, mm. is that th- they don't just target 25 to 32-year-olds. Mm. Man, I want some babies in my church. Yeah. I want some young I want some old people in me there, too. too. And this church does it mm. probably better than anything I, I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And mm. that is a factor, I am convinced, and why this church is exploding. You talk about exploding. Mm-hmm. This place is. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I love that it's so a guide could be somebody older than you who gives you good advice, but a father or a parent is that plus love. Yes. And plus sharing life and that just, you know, you don't have to be perfect to do it. Just share life with somebody, like you were saying, you know, share the goods and the bads and the mistakes and, and all the rest. Well, Pastor, would you pray for our, for us as we're as we're uh, closing up the discussion and just pray that we would be able to step into this? And be a family. Father, thank you for uh, Pastor Joby and his sweet wife and their family. I, I pray for them and your protection over their lives and uh, just your filling them and giving them the great sense that you are their source of strength. And I pray that for the rest of the congregation. So often, Lord, we say, as the pastor goes, so goes the church. Uh, they have such a burden on them to live out the example of Christ that most people don't understand it. And and I just pray your strength in them for that, and I pray that the congregation would follow this wonderful family um, as they lead following Christ. And, And for all of these senior adults that are here at 1122, I pray that they would sense the burden Uh, to pour into the life of someone younger and into the life of children, uh, Mm -hmm. Lord. I thank you so much for the older people that you put into our lives when we were a young couple Mm -hmm. that would help care for our children. And I pray for the young couples. I pray for the single moms. I pray for the single dads um, that uh, struggle with so many issues. I pray that you would give them an overwhelming Mm -hmm. sense that you are using them in a significant way. They may not see it today, Mm 
Uh, it may be a 20-year trip. It may be a 30- or 40-year trip like Moses, but uh, Father, help them to know that you are there. You're holding all of this in your hand. Strengthen this church. Give it as much of the kingdom here in this area mm. of North Florida as, uh, as you will. In your will, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> the end. You know. <laughs>